<laughs> I didn't know what else to do. Come on, please, stop. By all means. We lost our little podium, huh? Oh, there. Well, put it up. Okay, good. <laughs> Went all the way around. Okay. Thank you. Well, good evening, everybody. Hope you've had a great afternoon and uh, looking forward to a lot of other exciting things this evening. But let's uh, focus our attention now on the things of the Lord. And uh, young people, we're very glad that you're here with us tonight. And uh, we're going to be looking at a parable. Uh, Who has a favorite parable of Jesus? Okay, that's the parable of the sower. That's a good one. Who else? Which one? Oh, that's a, your same one as your favorite one? Great. Who has another one? Yeah. The Good Samaritan. Well, that's where I'm going to stop because that's the one we're going to look at tonight. <laughs> we're going to uh, use that parable to learn about the mercy of God. And uh, that parable ends with Jesus asking the question, which one acted like a neighbor? And the answer was the one who showed mercy. And it's kind of an interesting place to look for the mercy of God, because we don't usually uh, look at the parable of Good Samaritan and say, here we have a great theological uh, piece about the attribute of mercy in God, and yet it seems to be Jesus' intention not only to tell uh, the person with whom he's speaking, but uh, to tell everyone that uh, God is merciful and we should be merciful not just because it's a good idea and a good moral thing to do and very helpful to uh, people who are having problems, but because God is that way. And we're supposed to emulate Him. We're supposed to follow the attributes that uh, we learned the other night are communicable, those that can be taught to us. So we'll look at that parable, and I'm going to ask you young people to listen carefully to the story. You may have heard it many times, the Good Samaritan, but there will be some questions that I want you to help uh, answer, okay? And it involves counting things. So just listen very closely. We'll read the uh, parable from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. And then we'll have a word of prayer and we'll continue on. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor 
as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly, do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for every word that proceeds out of your mouth. We thank you, Lord, uh, for parables that illustrate important things that we need to know about God and things that we need to follow in our own lives. And we pray, Lord, that you would teach us to do likewise, to do like the Lord Jesus would do, to do as God would do, to do as those who are led by the Spirit would do. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now you will, I trust, have your outlines available, those uh, older ones of you anyway. And uh, here are the points tonight that we want to look at. We're going to uh, come up with a definition for mercy. And then uh, take note of the fact that mercy is humanity's only hope. Unless we can find mercy from God then we are truly lost. Then we'll look, and as I said, this is the the third item here, we'll look at the parable of the Good Samaritan, and uh, then we'll see how God's mercy is unleashed, unbound, and uh, goes forth in a mighty way. And finally, we will consider our own participation in the mercy of God. Now, what's a good definition of mercy? Well, I've used this verse from Psalm 79. This is verse 8. Do not hold against us the sins of past generations. This is a prayer, obviously. May your mercy come quickly to meet us, for we are in desperate need. What is mercy? Mercy is something supplied to people who have a desperate need. 
Now you can uh, think of different situations, and some of them from the Bible, right? Where people are in trouble and they ask for mercy. Can any of you kids think of uh, a story, an example of someone who's begging for mercy? Yeah? It would, and uh, what kind of trouble is that man in? He doesn't have food, he doesn't have shelter, he doesn't have Right, so he needs mercy from somebody who has those things or has money to give him for those things. Anybody else have a thought? Well, the, the, the debts of people, as uh, our young lady was saying, are oftentimes the things that have to do with the mercy, but uh, maybe there's someone who's sick. You remember uh, some people came to Jesus with sick relatives or sick uh, servants, and they asked for mercy for them. Yeah? A soldier caught by the enemy might be killed but he asks for mercy. Very good example. Very, very good one. Anybody else want to try? Yeah. You have to talk loud because I can't hear you. People with leprosy. They went to Jesus and asked to be healed. That's right. Very good. Okay, that's, that's a good sampling of people who have a desperate need. And... Again, the psalmist is praying, says, Lord, give us mercy because we are in desperate need. Now, you'll notice in the parable that before the man gave mercy, he felt something. What did he feel? Compassion, Compassion, exactly. And compassion is very important in relation to mercy. You give mercy because you feel sorry, you feel... uh, what we call empathy or sympathy for people who are in difficult situations. And then we act because we feel compassion. And you know, this is what the Bible tells us about the Lord, that He is full of compassion, full of compassion. He really feels our needs. He doesn't just uh, sort of with coldness and indifference take note that people are in trouble, but He really feels it. He has compassion. It said of the Lord Jesus that uh, when he saw the multitudes, that he felt compassion for them. Now, the Bible says in Ephesians 2.4 that God is rich. Now, we, we all know that, right? Of course God is rich. All the gold, all the silver belong to God. But this says he's rich in something else. You probably can guess what it is. Mercy, right. God who is rich in mercy. And again, putting that together with compassion means he, he feels deeply the troubles of people and then he extends that mercy to them. So here's a, a bit of a definition for mercy. It is the help that's given to those who are facing present or perhaps coming danger or trouble And it's the help given by those who have the ability to help. See, I can uh, can see a a car wreck on television 
somebody's hurt there, and I may feel compassion, but I can't really give them mercy, can I? Because I'm miles away, maybe hundreds of miles away. So it's good to feel compassion, and maybe it will turn out there's some ways I can be of help, but I can't give the mercy unless I'm in a position to do it, unless I'm right there. And then maybe I can go to the car and help the person out, or maybe I can uh, do something about the traffic to keep it away from where the wreck happened. But you sort of have to be there. Huh? So people who are in a position to give help, really are necessary to understanding mercy. But uh, one of the interesting things, of course, about us is that God gives us many opportunities to show mercy. He brings us near to situations. And then He Himself, who is, remember now from what we learned before, He's everywhere and can do anything anywhere, that God can show mercy to people. So if, if the wreck happened, if God wants to, God can show that mercy and often does show mercy to people, even people that don't love Him. He shows them mercy. The Bible says He causes the rain to fall, not only on the just, but on the unjust as well. So mercy is one of the attributes of God, and it's one of those communicable attributes, an attribute that can be passed on. We can be like God, not to the full measure of God or perfectly as God is, but we can show mercy ourselves. So it's wonderful that God has this attribute of mercy and that He involves us in showing mercy as well. When we get to the parable, we'll look a little more carefully about how God does show mercy. But I do want to say this, and we're at point number two now, and that is that uh, mercy is humanity's only hope. Now, if you uh, were here this morning, and I know some of you kids were not here, but we talked about the justice of God. And we talked about how God has to punish evil because He is perfect and He doesn't want anything imperfect, impure, out of line, not right, and the Bible says we're all in trouble that way. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So it presents this, this problem, at least from our point of view. It's not God's problem because He can solve it like this. But God wants to be just, and yet He wants to find a way to keep people from being punished for their unjustness, their injustice their failure to live up to His standard. Now, mercy, you see, is what we need from the Lord if we have a desperate need. And that's what all sinners have, right? A desperate need. Can you think of any sinner that uh, is not in big trouble? Can you think of anyone who's a sinner who's not in big trouble with God? The Bible says, if you've sinned, it's not just a little matter, not just something that God can slough off and say, oh well, we'll forget about it this time. We're in big trouble because of our sins. So we need mercy. We need to go before God and say, oh God, be merciful to us. You remember the publican and the uh, Pharisee who were praying? 
Any of you kids remember that? Two men went up to the temple to pray. Who remembers that story? And what did the publican or the tax collector say? Yeah, he said, Lord, have mercy upon me, the sinner. Now, the other fellow, he didn't think he was in any big trouble. He said, God, I thank you I'm not like that guy. I'm a, I'm a strong believer and a strong religious person. But Jesus said it was the one who asked for mercy, who went home justified. It goes back to this morning's message where we need to find out how to be justified. And one of the ways that we can get justification from the Lord, forgiveness of our sins, is to say, Lord, have mercy upon me, the sinner. And I need to do that. You need to do that. All of us need to ask God for His mercy because we are in that desperate need. And isn't it a wonderful thing to know about God is that whereas we could never figure out how as sinners we could be made right, God knows how to figure it out. God knows how to extend mercy to His people. And this is what we call the gospel. This is the good news. Sinners in desperate trouble who are saying, Lord, have mercy upon me. Lord, forgive me. They know that God can and will do that. He's promised to do that. And He doesn't fail to give that mercy to those who sincerely ask Him for that mercy through the Lord Jesus Christ. So that brings us then to this uh, parable of the Good Samaritan. Now, I said we were going to deal with, uh, with numbers here, okay? So let me, uh, let me give you some of the things that we're looking for. We're looking for two questions Two questions in the parable. We're looking for six parties. I would say six persons, but really it's six parties because there's one group and then several individuals. So we're looking for six people. Two questions, six people. We're looking for three refusals of mercy. And we're looking for one solution. So what are the numbers again? Who remembers the numbers? How many questions? Two, Two questions. And uh, how many people or parties? Six, okay. And uh, how many refusals of mercy? Three. And how many solutions? One. Now, in that sort of numerical situation, we can actually see how the, the mercy of God is evident through the one that did things right. Okay, what are the two questions? Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And Jesus gives him an answer. And the other question was, who proved to be A neighbor who proved to be a neighbor to the one who was hurt. Now, it's very interesting. This is not a study so much about neighbor, but we have to include it here uh, to understand things a bit. The, uh, 
idea of neighbor, especially in the Old Testament, is not somebody that lives next door to you, though it could be that. There's a couple elements involved in the Old Testament idea of neighbor. First of all, you have to be nearby. Now remember the wreck? If I watch it on television, there's not much I can do to help. But if I'm there, I can do something. So a neighbor is somebody who's nearby. Not maybe next door, but nearby in the same street or the same town. Somebody nearby. And then, according to the way the word is used in the Old Testament, a neighbor is someone you care for. And uh, the root of that word has to do with shepherding. Very interesting. So Jesus, of course, is, is talking in, the, in the, the way that the Hebrew people think, though he's using probably Aramaic, and it's been translated into Greek. But the idea is still there, that uh, someone who is your neighbor is somebody who's close enough for you to deal with them, and somebody that God has put into your care for you to be a sort of shepherd toward them. And when that situation develops, then you are in a position to show mercy to that person. He's close at hand, or she is, and uh, he or she is someone that God has placed before you as a matter of concern. Now here comes, uh, or here come these people down the road, you see, and uh, none of them seen None of them seem to know who the guy is that got hurt. But God has placed that person in their situation. He's close. And what do a couple of them do? They put distance between themselves. Get on the other side of the road. The other one goes near to the person. And then he feels, as we asked a while ago, he feels compassion. He has a a real concern for this person. And he does something about it. He he does extend mercy to him. Who is my neighbor? Somebody near. And someone that God has put into my situation to try to help them because they're in desperate need of some sort. So those are the questions then, and again, the one proved to be a neighbor who went near and acted as he should have acted. All right, how many people are involved here? Six six people or six entities, anyway. Okay, now, who can tell me what they are? Who are the six? Yeah. Even if you just get a few of them. The Samaritan. The guy that was hurt. Yeah. Priest. The person that worked in the end. That's good. There's two more. There was a priest and who else besides the the Levite, and then this, this is the multiple group, the, the robbers. Okay, the robbers are there. Now, priest, you probably know what that is. What's a Levite? 
Yeah. Right, and, and what was their job particularly? Right, they, they were the workers around the temple. The, the priests did the sacrificing and those kinds of things. And the Levites helped with all the other things, moving things and carrying things and cleaning and all the things that had to do with the work of the temple. Okay, now, all of these parties that we're talking about here even the man who was hurt, all of them had the capacity or that they had the opportunity at different times, they had the capacity to show mercy. All of them. Problem was that not all of them did, of course. Four of them uh, were in a position to show mercy. Uh, the, the robbers the man could have said, oh, please don't hurt me. Please don't hurt me. Robbers could have shown mercy. Maybe they were still guilty of, of robbing, but they could have shown mercy. But they didn't. They beat him up, took his clothes, left him half dead, we're told. The, uh, the priest and the Levite could have shown mercy. And the Samaritan could have, but only one of them really showed mercy, and that was the Samaritan man. And even the innkeeper, you see, participated in the act of mercy because the uh, Samaritan put that uh, bruised and hurt man into the hands of the innkeeper and said, take care of him. Continue the mercy. He said, if it costs you anything, I'll pay for it, but continue the mercy. Now we want to close in a little more here on how God fits into all this and how we see God in it. And uh, we have to look at the Samaritan really to do that, which is very interesting because most of the Jewish people didn't like Samaritans and most Samaritans didn't like Jewish people. Samaritan, we say, was constrained or, or just taken over by compassion he acted even though the victim was an apparent enemy. He could have said, serves him right, dumb Samaritan, or, or dumb Jew. He being the Samaritan might have talked like that. Um, he risked being robbed himself. How did he know there wasn't a robber over behind the rock waiting to jump out and get him? He paid a significant cost. It cost him money to be merciful. And even after he had done the initial things, he said, I'll come back and check on him again later. Now you see in that, in, in that collective group of actions there, the mercy of the Lord. The Lord is like that. He has compassion. We've already mentioned that, right? He has deep feelings about people who are in desperate need. We are God's enemies as long as we're sinners. We've taken the other side. Now, if God be for us, who can be against us? But if God's against us, then how will we survive? And yet God looked upon us. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, while we were yet enemies, Christ died for us. Now, the Lord didn't exactly uh, risk His own self 
in what he did, and yet he did give up his only begotten son, for example. There was a, a risk factor there that we have to take into consideration. He paid a significant cost as well. To give his son was a cost that we can't even begin to appreciate. And he did not forget about those that he helped after he had helped them. God continues to be with us, helps us through the rest of our lives until at last he brings us to glory and to his kingdom. You see what Jesus is illustrating here? Not just be good moral people and help one another, but this is the way God acts. This is what He does. And we're responsible to be that way ourselves. Now there are three refusals that we saw. The robbers, we talked about this a minute ago, the robbers were merciless. They weren't going to show the man any mercy. What about the priest and the Levite? Did they refuse? Absolutely, they refused. They had every opportunity to help, but they refused. And I think the Lord Jesus is is saying, look, you might expect that of the robbers, but here are two very religious people. They work in the temple. They're supposed to be God's representatives. They're supposed to set before you how great and and glorious God is. And yet they showed no mercy. And really he was saying, I don't care how religious they are, how occupied they are in religious things, if they're unwilling to show mercy, they're not like God at all. But our merciful God, you see, does not refuse to show mercy. He doesn't distance himself. He doesn't think up reasons that he can't do anything to help. Our God is a God who says, if you come to me, I will receive you. Jesus said, whoever comes to me, I will in no way cast that person out. Such a wonderful, loving, merciful God. So that He is absolutely unlike the robbers. He is absolutely unlike the priest. Absolutely unlike the Levite. Because He shows mercy. And that mercy is broad and deep and it's unending. Now the last number was... One. The one solution. There was just one thing really was going to help this man. They didn't have any telephones, any cell phones, any way to do anything except to go to that man and help him. And that Samaritan knew what he was doing. I don't think he was a doctor, but he knew enough about life and wounds that he he knew his business And he gave the man immediate help, and then he saw that the continuing help came to him. But how much more wise and knowledgeable and thorough is God? And that's something that we've been talking about this week. How God knows everything. This man knew how to take care of the man, and he acted, and he did it. 
And beloved, tonight, God knows your need. God knows how desperate it is. God knows the particulars of your life. You may not be just like the person who's next to you or the person that you know at home in trouble, but He knows your need. And He can deal with it in just the right way and make just the right application of that to you. Again, you see what a wonderful picture of God's mercy, of this attribute of God that we have in this presentation, in this uh, what appears to be just a, a moral lesson about go and do likewise. Really, he's saying go and do what God would do. He bore the man on his own animal, perhaps uh, using his own muscles uh, in, in part to do it, but he bore the man to a place of safety, even as God bears us to the place of safety also. You have that beautiful picture in Scripture about the shepherd who carries his lambs in his arms. In Isaiah's description of he shall feed his sheep and carry his sheep. And remember this idea of the neighbor really is rooted in the idea of the shepherd who takes care of what's been put into his responsibility. And so the Samaritan, most unlikely person that Jesus could have picked out, was a hero, was a helper, was merciful because God was able to take that man and make him follow what God would do. Now, I don't know whether Jesus uh, actually knew that this incident happened or whether Jesus made it a a general uh, story, but it's, it's, it's quite perfect in presenting who the Lord is, what the Lord does. And again, this this wonderful thing of how the Lord does not say, okay, I've done enough. It's up to you to go the rest of the way. But He comes back again and again to us and He says, I see you have this need. I see you're not quite well. I see you're stumbling. I see you've fallen. I see you're going through uh, difficulties that are complications of what happened. But I want you to know I'm with you. I want you to know that the cost that I paid, the price that I laid down, the giving of my only begotten Son is such a great and thorough and comprehensive and absolutely adequate payment that your need will always be met. And when you come down to death's door for real, when there's no going back again, and you're considering what it means to stand before God in judgment, He's going to say, wait, you don't have to do that. Because you've trusted in the remedy, in the help, in the mercy that I've given you in Christ. And He bore your sorrows. He undertook your suffering. He carried your illnesses and everything that you can imagine that could be wrong. So that now you can enter into glory. Where there are no tears... There's no pain. There's no sorrow. Because Jesus is God's continuing, irreversible provision 
of His mercy. Now let me just close with uh, our participation in the mercy of God. Because we, we don't want just to overlook the fact that Jesus did tell the man, go and do likewise. And the great example of participation in this would be which person that we've talked about? Who, who didn't have a very big role and yet was a participant in the story? Was it the Levite? The priest? Who did something and yet you almost forget about him? The innkeeper. He was drawn into this and made to work for the betterment of this man. As I said earlier, the, the mercy continues on. The mercy doesn't stop, you see, with that. And, and that's really a picture of how God involves us in His showing of mercy. Now it may be somebody is hurt. It may be there's a wreck like we said. It may be that uh, there's some uh, person who's, who's on the street, doesn't have food and those kinds of things. And that's all important. And I believe that's fulfilling what Jesus said here to a great extent. But you're really involved in this greater mercy of God when you tell people about Jesus. Boys and girls, when you tell your friends that God is merciful, that God has paid a great price, that God can get them through all their troubles. Uh, Maybe you know somebody that's in a home where there's a lot of trouble. And and that friend of yours feels unloved and unwanted. Maybe uh, there's people in school that you're aware of that uh, can't quite learn yet. Maybe they haven't learned the language well. Maybe they have... Uh, other things that uh, keep them from, from learning, some disability or whatever it may be. But you, you can be a participant in God's mercy by telling them that God has what they need. That He's not passing by them on the other side. That He's not uh, careless about them. That He feels compassion for them. That He loves them. And that He will save them and never leave them, never forsake them. Never caused them a moment's sorrow or regret, though the road may still be tough and they still may have to go through some harsh things. God will be there by their side all the time. You can be that innkeeper, if you will, to carry out God's instructions. Take care of this person. Who has God brought near to you? Who is that person that God has placed near to you to help you or for you to help them? Who is that? Think about that. God wants to involve you in His mercy. Now, I I kind of skipped over number four here, but I want to go back to it just for a moment. And that is God's mercy unbound. Romans 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. What a wonderful word of mercy that is. Remember I said that that there comes that time when you stand before God and you expect Him to say, 
You're condemned. You're gone. You're finished. And yet this verse says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because you see, God's plan, God's sending His Son is so perfect. Such a, a, a great working together with His justice that the mercy flows like a mighty river. Because with God, you see, nothing is impossible. God has infinite love, infinite compassion. You can't hold it back. Psalm 103, 17 says that the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. Everlasting to everlasting. That's the floodgates opening. That's mercy coming in a mighty wave for those who have access to it in Jesus Christ. Nothing is going to stop Him from showing mercy. There's a verse in Romans where God is talking about Jacob and Esau. But He expresses it this way. He says, I will have mercy upon whom I will have mercy. You understand what that means? That means you can't hold Him back. You can't hold Him back. I will have mercy. Someone could rise up. In fact, this is what the devil does. He rises up and says, Oh, you can't show mercy to Billy or Susie or Jim or Jackie. You can't do that. God says, You can't hold me back. You can't keep me from doing that. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. His plan to satisfy justice and show mercy is wonderfully set forth for us just in this person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as important as all these characters in the story have been, the innkeeper and the uh, Samaritan and the priest and the Levite and the robbers and all, they just all fade away compared to Jesus. Jesus, the mercy of God unleashed. Jesus, the mercy of God not held back. Jesus, the unstoppable mercy giver, mercy applier. Jesus, the Savior of sinners. Jesus, who gives you His Holy Spirit, who never leaves you, but dwells in you forever. Oh, the mercy of God. How we see it here. Young people, I hope all of you will see it and know it and tell others about it too. Well, I, I came to the stopping place even before I thought I might tonight. So you can get on with the talent show and have a good time. But let's close in prayer. Dear God in heaven, we thank you for mercy. We thank you, Lord, in our desperate need. You have provided for us you have paid the cost. You have done such a wonderful, wonderful thing in our lives. Please, dear Lord, draw us close to Yourself. Help us to walk with You into many areas of mercy and of preaching the Gospel and bringing people to the Lord. Even as we have this testimony, the Lord has been good to us, merciful to sinners like we are. Help us, Lord, not to be ashamed of Him or of His mercy. And we do pray in His name. Amen.